So you wanna watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's dark. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. Jared, what are we watching tonight? So tonight we're watching Alan Partridge, movie that came out in 2013, a very British comedy starring the great Steve Coogan. One of your selections. Yes, one of my selections for sure. And if anyone's interested in checking it out, Time of recording anyway, currently available on Hulu, HBO Max for free on both of those. And you can pay to rent from places. And also, I'll throw this out there too. The full title of the film is actually Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. If you were to just Google Alan Partridge, you will get a lot of answers. And we'll get into that eventually, I'm sure, uh, because it is a very monumental character. But... I would say anyone out there who hasn't checked it out yet, maybe, if you're into things like Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and kind of really dense, comedically dense stuff, uh, I would highly recommend it personally. So I would say check it out. And then we're obviously eventually going to be diving into it. We'll be all over the place, just spoiling the movie. But yeah, that's our new little kind of intro. Intro. How's your night going, Drew? Segment success. Boom. Nailed it. (laughs) My night's going great. Um, Good, good, good. Yeah, we're uh, we're definitely gonna have fun talking about this movie. But I I, I wanted to kind of lead off with a question here. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting when you put this movie on the board. Initially, my reaction was, "That's I wonder how that's gonna go," and the reason is comedy is subjective, right? Mm-hmm. So, what one person's you know masterpiece is another person's worst movie ever i feel like in comedy the 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 spectrum on on like your reactions to things i feel like you know you can swing a lot i I guess the the reactions to things can be a lot wider in in difference i would say than some other things do you agree i i I agree to an extent i think there are exceptions where like a movie will come along that is just like universally loved. Pretty much everybody likes it. Right. And in terms of a comedy, I would say something like. But I think there are even detractors for those kind of movies. That's true. Maybe, maybe in more, I guess, more of a way than say like a movie like Inception or, or something where it's like, I yeah. feel like it was a universally positive response from pretty much yeah. everybody I knew. You and I have talked in the past about how much we both love the movie Team America World Police. It's one of, one of my favorite comedies. And I bet there are a lot of, say, film critics and and other people out there who just think it's it's too crude and too crass and lacks intelligence or whatever they might well, I say. I think a lot who of knows? people would be like, it's puppets, it's stupid. It's dumb. And it's just, so, so t- I think there is something to your to your point there. I mean, it, all art is subjective, of course, but, but yeah. comedy seems to hit it a little bit harder and the divide is a bit bigger, I think. Well, it leads me to my question, which I, I, I wanted to ask you, like, how do you go about recommending comedies to, to your friends? Like, do Ooh. you... Do you gauge it based on, you know, like, do you, do you shy away from recommending comedies to people that you don't know as well, maybe, because you don't know mm. their taste? That might be true. I, I like to think I've got a, a decent uh, comedic radar when I get to interact with people. I could see kind of picking up quickly, like, I mean, I've never gone into it thinking like, oh, I'll recommend this. You know what I mean? But like, 
I, once I certainly get to know someone, it does get easier. If I was like 15 minutes into a conversation with someone and somehow comedy movies came up, I think I might be a little bit more hesitant or I would throw in like qualifier questions. See, it's interesting. Do you like absurd things? Do you like, uh, like situational things? Do you like realism? Do you like dry, like British style humor? Do you, you know, like more broad kind of physical American humor? Yeah. I, I think to get to your question, I would be a little bit more hesitant and then once I get to know the person better, I, I get excited about recommending comedies. This just happened recently, well, actually. I've, so I've had a few people like burn me on recommendations in terms of like I give them a recommendation of a comedy and they they are not into it at all. Dude, that happened to me. I've had it happen a lot. That happened to me with one of your recommendations. Which one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost in America. You, you I bought Drew, that for you. <laughs> Drew was kind enough. He sent me. This is what, how big of a dick I am. Drew uh, had an extra Blu-ray player that he shipped to me in Atlanta, and then shortly thereafter sent me two Blu-rays. One being Yo Jimbo by Kiris, by Kurosawa, and the other being Lost in America, because Drew and I, uh, in like test records and shit, talked about the movie. Broadcast News, which is an Albert Brooks movie that is sensational. Well, it's a James really, L. Brooks movie that Albert Brooks is in. But gotcha, yes. yeah, yeah. I always, I will whereas, never not get those two confused. Whereas Lost in America is Albert Brooks written and directed and starring. Gotcha. So Drew was like, oh, okay, if you liked that, you'll love this. So these two Blu-rays he sent me. Watched Lost in America, did not like it. Yojimbo still sits to my right in the shrink wrap. I'm a very, I'm not, I'm not only I'm a bad gift giver, I'm a bad gift receiver as well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was one where uh, me and the people who watched it just didn't really vibe with it. We, there was moments that were good, but we were overall like kind of like, eh. Like we thought it was okay. And I think this is to your point. Comedies are hyper subjective and they can be really difficult to pitch to certain people. I would, I've said this before, but I feel like great comedies are, are more rare than any other type of movie that I've seen anyway, except for me with musicals. That's the rarest, but like a great comedy that comes along and like everybody either, or it was like, is like most people like it or like, it's like, this is a great one. This is I one think, for the ages. I think it's lately they've gotten more rare. I would yes. I would say that. I I, yeah. I don't think that's always been the case. Yeah. I think, think I think um, it was pretty I think it was pretty regular to get probably five or six really solid comedies a year for a long time. Those movies are not getting financed anymore. I think that's the yeah. problem now. Like yeah. the problem now is that the the budgets that these studios have are getting more and more swallowed up by these major tentpole summer, you know, blockbuster type movies like, mm. you know, your superhero stuff, your um, you know, your, your Harry Potter's, your whatnot, you know, like yeah. that's all well and good. Like I, I'm not sitting here saying that there's no place for stuff like that, but it has ballooned to such an extent that like comedy, like major studios do not finance comedies anymore. Yeah. They don't, they get made by Dude. indie studios or they get made by streamers at this point. I, I can't even remember. Well, that's not true. I was going to say, I couldn't remember the last comedy that I remember seeing advertised for theater release, but I guess Jackass was somewhat recent, and I remember that being yeah. But that, that, I don't even count that necessarily. That's more like performance yeah. art than it is. That's, like comedy, that's fair, you know. 
But I'm trying to think, what was the last time I went to a movie theater to see a like quote unquote traditional comedy? Not a movie that has right. comedic elements in it, but it's comedy front and center and that is its main goal. I honestly can't remember because I didn't see, see Jackass, and I agree with your point. It's more of a performance piece because no, they they don't go to theaters anymore. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. It's all coming out on streaming, it and sucks. it's just like I, I, like I that. wish that weren't the case. But like, you're you know, I mean, going back to what we were talking about, like like your James L. Brooks's of the world do not get financing for for a, a comedy anymore. I mean, part of that. Well, that's probably a bad example. I I had James L. L. Brooks on the mind because I just uh, rewatched How Do You Know, which is his most recent movie from 2011. The mm-hmm. story on that movie, like the making of, is hilarious because that movie cost over a hundred million dollars to produce, and it looks like a like a ten million dollar indie. <laughs> um, and like most of it went to like paying Jack Nicholson twenty million dollars and Reese Witherspoon twenty million dollars and Paul Rudd ten right. million dollars, and like it was fucking absurd. <laughs> but anyway is it good um, i've never seen that it's an by the awful way. movie uh awful? It's, oh, it's got um it's got moments like look it's mm-hmm. made by james l brooks so like there's still like those brooksy moments where you get these like great the bits moments. of these great bits of dialogue and and like you know there's moments in it for sure uh but that movie is so misguided it came out yeah. at the time that occupy wall street was going on and it's a movie about like basically a hedge fund manager that's like not a bad guy (laughs) and it's like it's like so mistimed in in terms (laughs) of its messaging and like it sucks because it started out with like james l brooks saying he took 10 years to research um women's softball he like wanted to portray a uh, female athlete as like his a central character. So he spent like years and years tracking this thing the same way that he did before broadcast news where he tracked like journalists for years and like was living in the newsroom trying to like absorb this culture. And like, mm. so leading up to it, everyone was just like, this is going to be another masterpiece. Oh my God, it's going to be bro- broadcast <laughs> news part two. And it's like, oh my God, he's got Paul Rudd and, J- and Owen Wilson and Jack Nicholson and Reese Witherspoon and Paul. Oh my God. Like he was like, <laughs> <laughs> People were freaking out on the message boards and on uh, fucking film blogs. And then like the movie, like the budget balloons, the studios freaking out. Like it originally was Bill Murray playing the Jack Nicholson character. And then like uh, Brooks had to call in a favor last minute because Murray dropped out. And like mm. it was this whole production nightmare. And mm. um, and then like the movie comes out and it lays a fat turd and like makes like five million dollars off of a hundred million budget. Too bad. Anyway. And maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we don't get them anymore. It's an interesting movie. It's on Netflix <laughs> yeah. if anyone wants to check it out. It's like anytime yeah. you're watching, you know, it's the thing we always talk about. It's like artists are are more fun to watch than like not artists. And like Brooks is an artist, so like it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, but it's it'll, just a it, bad it'll movie. likely be worth your time. Yeah. If you if you like the artist, like I will give say it a shot, you know. Catherine Hahn in that movie, out of control good. Really? What? Oh, like she shines through so well in like a movie that is otherwise garbage. Mm. Every I, I, I'm trying to think of a movie where there was there was not one thing to like about it. You know, there's almost always a performance or something. Oh, to yeah. be like, Well, that's totally. really good. You know, even bad yeah. movies have really good parts. You know. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, getting back yeah. to what we're talking about, I mean, I kind of yeah. want to just start there and just talk about like how do you like recommend comedies? Because like, look. Going back to, again, like what I said at the beginning as far as what my reaction was when you put this on the board, I was like, it's going to be hard to review a comedy. It's hard to talk about a comedy and it's hard to break it down um, without just like running through lines that we liked. You know what I mean? Yes. Dude, that's so true because I was like looking at my notes 
And that's eventually what my 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 notes kind of derailed into. And I was like, okay, this that is going to be an element probably of what we're talking about. We'll be hitting our favorite bits when we get to that point in the show. But I, I, I shared that anxiety with you, unbe- unbeknownst to either of us that we both had it, you know, that like, yeah, it's like, what are we going to, am I just going to run down a list of, of great jokes? Um, but there actually is a lot more, I think, to peel off here. No, as absolutely. It out. And that's, and that's yeah. what I got really excited about. And before we dive into the movie, I mean, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I want to start out just by saying, given that this is a comedy, I can't recommend this for everyone. Like, I don't mm. think there's that everyone out there is going to vibe with this in the sense yeah. that like, it is really dry, really British or I think it's more English humor specifically. Like, uh, it's yes. like this this kind of like Southern England or like he, I think I heard I saw Steve Coogan describe it as like um, the the Middle England the Middle aged Middle England man or something like is what mm-hmm. this character is. Uh, and like anyway, uh, yeah. Well, I I, love- I, can't, I can't say it's for everyone. But I had a fucking awesome time with this movie, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Going back to what you said as far as, like, we need to be clear what the name of this movie is, because if you just type in Alan Partridge, a lot of shit comes up. Because the reality is that this character has been around since 1992. And has been, you know, uh, iterated on and kind of, like, evolved over time, obviously, like, through the things that he's done. But, I mean, Steve Coogan has, has been building this character with Armando Iannucci, um, for years, for decades. And like, and it's still going like this yeah. year, Alan Partridge is on tour, uh, in, in the UK, um, going around and doing live stage shows. Like he mm-hmm. had a podcast in 2020, like during the pandemic, he had a podcast on audible. It's like yeah, this character wrote- is still, still being, being iterated on and, and, and grown across mediums. You mentioned the podcast. He wrote a book from the character's perspective. Two books, I think. Two, oh, two books. Uh, like, there it is. And you, know, if you think of something like, you know, Stephen Colbert wrote I Am America and So Can You, like from the, the, the Colbert the Report character. Yeah. And so that is something that has been done over the years, you know. But it's like, it's crazy to me that I had never heard of this character. And again, not that we're tapped into UK comedy, but had you had you ever heard the name? Oh, so you were aware of the character. I was, okay. yeah. So I mean, I I will tell you where I heard about it. Um, the first time I heard about it, we in the pre in the pre episode chat, we were talking a little bit about um, the Apatow comedies, and I obsessively for a while was listening to the commentaries for those movies because the mm. commentaries were just all of those, you know incredibly hilarious people sitting in a room together watching the movie and talking about it. So it's like the, yes. the best kind of comedy or the best Love kind it. of commentary rather. Um, and I would just, I would throw that on in the background, like while I was like playing video games and stuff, just cause it was like fun to listen to. And then I would like see where they were, they were at in the movie. And I don't know. I was a weird fucking shut in. And no, uh, dude, that's, fu- that's, cool. dude, that's cool, dude. A good commentary track is like, it's like you have friends in the room or yeah, something. Yeah, it was I a warm blanket. Great. It was beautiful. Yeah. They, 
on one of those commentaries, and I'm blanking on which one it was, I almost tried to listen to all of them back <laughs> through recently just to like try and figure out which to one it find was. It. <laughs> on one of them, they mentioned I'm Alan Partridge, the show uh, that mm. they did in 97 and 2000, 2002, I think was the second series of it. Um, but that was a show on the BBC. You know, it was the first starring show of Alan Partridge, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, somebody on on one of the commentaries, I want to say it was Seth Rogen, brought up like that show was like awesome, and and mm. I was like, oh, okay, so Alan Partridge, that's interesting. Um, point being, Coogan came up, talked about Alan Partridge. End of story. Yeah, Partridge has been on my mind as just like, a, oh, that's a British character. That I bet that's interesting. Not mm-hmm. something that I ever just like had the urge to dive into, but I've always been aware of it and been like, I want to, I want to get back to that. Yeah. But it's it took the dartboard to send me here, and I'm so <laughs> fucking stoked because I've Dude. been like the last 48 hours have been me just like digging into old partridge bits. Dude, it's it's sh- again like I said, shocking that I hadn't heard of that. So I want to tell you how this got on the board because it's Please. a oh yeah, it's a weird fucking story. So I am a big fan of the game Magic the Gathering. And there <laughs> I did is, not see that coming. Didn't as far see as it coming. Um, there is, you know, how there's streamers, right, who play video games and they have followers. Twitch streamers, and all that. yeah, Twitch yeah, streamers, that are, exactly. Yeah, broadcasting, yeah. There is a Twitch streamer who plays Magic the Gathering, and his name is Crokies, and he is this very bitter, very funny, sarcastic Scotsman, and. Like, hilarious. I think he could easily be a stand-up comic. I actually don't know why, like, he isn't. He's very, very funny. And he has, when someone subscribes to his channel, the automated thing that makes a noise is this audio clip that says, ha, 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 this is great banter. It really is. And never knew what it was, but I watch his stream a lot, watch his YouTube videos a lot. And I think maybe YouTube or my phone was listening to me and it recommended this, that clip in isolation. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this was Steve Coogan. And I will get into my relationship to Steve Coogan a little bit later. But um, I saw the clip and the ha ha, this is great banter. It's like, holy shit, I don't know anything about this Steve Coogan thing, this Alan Partridge guy. Again, I had never, never heard of him. Which is so, so funny because you've you've talked about your love of Steve Coogan to me in the past, and it, like the fact that you were completely unaware of Partridge as a character until recently no is crazy. It makes it makes I don't know how it happened. It makes zero sense. But um, so this and this was he right talks before, about it in the trip, which you've seen. <laughs> I don't. I I think it's because I wasn't in love with not to call you out or anything. No, 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 no. Because I was wondering. I was like, they must have mentioned it in the trip. They do because they're talking about man in the box and stuff. I don't know, but we'll get we'll get to we'll get to that in a minute. But (laughs) so um, so this was right before we came up with the concept for the dartboard. This was like maybe a month before. So it was fresh in your memory. Fresh in my mind. It's like I really want to see this movie. Okay. Me and some friends were hanging out at my buddy John's house, having some beers. And we were like, uh, want to put something on? And it's like, I really want to see this Alan Partridge movie. Like, I don't, I don't know much about it, but I, it's British comedy. I think it'll be really funny. Like I say, we just throw it on. And I was pretty drunk. And we got 10 minutes into the movie. And I was like, no, 
not right now. Like I, and I was enjoying wow, it. Wow, interesting. But I, I was so tipsy that I, I could tell oh, it I was, wasn't. It was not right. It, I wasn't keeping up with the dialogue because, and we'll get into it. But it is, it is rapid fire. I don't, joke, I don't think joke. you're meant to on first viewing. This movie's no. so dense. It's so fucking dense. So I, I recognized that I was too tipsy for it. It's like this is not a Chris Farley movie. This is like a, an undiscovered Arrested Development episode. Like you got to be paying attention to really, to really enjoy it. So I was like, okay. Not right now. And then I was like, you know what? I'll put it on the board. Because then shortly after, we we uncovered the dartboard idea. And I had still wanted to see it for so long. So I was so excited when we hit it. Because, again, I had seen that first 10 minutes. I knew it was going to be, if it kept that pace, it was going to be good. But I really wanted to see it with relatively sober eyes, you know? Okay. So that's the story of how somehow I missed the boat with Alan Partridge, even though being a big Steve Coogan fan. And... Magic the Gathering, Crokies, we got a lot going on. But yeah, I wanted to ask you real quick, what's your relation to Steve Coogan? Um uh, so we've 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 just briefly mentioned how much we question. love him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Um he's one that's taken me a bit to fully digest, I guess, like as a viewer. I think I think my comedy tastes have changed over time. <laughs> I think when I was younger. Um, I mean, my first exposure to Coogan, I want to say, was Tropic Thunder, um, 2008. Oh, my God, yep. You know, Coogan is is a major part of the first part of that movie, and uh, I won't yeah, spoil it the- for anyone who's who's not seen that movie, but he comes to a very interesting endpoint of his arc, yeah. I would say. And he he plays the director of yes. that of that like fake movie or the movie that they're making within the movie. Um, and I had forgotten that that was him because I think a lot of like Steve Coogan, well, you know, as an American viewer for me, I, I, it's a face I recognize. Um, and then, and again, this was before I kind of dove in a little bit more, but I had, I remember seeing him in the other guys, that movie with Mark Wahlberg. That was Wahlberg. another one that I remember distinctly. Yeah, and he's not in it much, but he's really funny. He is really he was, funny. What's you before we move off the other guys though, real quick, there I I got an anecdote from an interview with him. He did like a it was like British GQ did like a a career retrospective video. And he mentions that he was really depressed on the making of that movie because he was like, this is not like, like I don't have much to do. I'm not like, this is not my sensibilities. I guess depressed is, is exaggerating. No, he said, I think he was just thinking But he like, was like, this is not where I want my career going. Yeah, like what's the point of this? And he, and he was, he said it was a thankless role, you know? And That's and what it he, was. And he, he went on to- He liked working you know, on it, he said, specifically. Yeah, he, he loved he Adam McKay and yeah. Yeah, he wasn't bashing the project or anyone involved. I think, um, you know, I think he he maybe at times in his career sounds like he struggled with like breaking into the U.S. and well, it was reflected in the trip, which we'll talk about in a second for sure. Yes, um, and I think he was kind of in that moment of the other guys on this film, this American movie. He's like, why am I doing this? Like. Yes. And again, no insult to Will Ferrell, a comic genius. Mark Wahlberg can be hilarious at times. Adam McKay has his moments as a comedic director. Um, Back then, he was firing he was on, on fire. all cylinders. Yeah, because that was around Step Brothers times yeah, and things like that, right? The, yeah, he was. Yeah, the other guys was the the next one after Step Brothers. Yeah, he right? was crushing it. And I always thought the other guys was a little underrated overall. I Agreed. think the movie's really, I, really. I fun. honestly think that's his second best. Yeah, I I, I like it a lot. Um, 
But that's just because I, 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 yeah, I saw that same interview and it was just kind of interesting to hear him say that. Like this, I was yeah. not really enjoying this. Wasn't but a real I liked role. him in that movie. Yeah, he's he's he was hilarious in that movie. He steal he kind of steals the scene, even though he's like a th- almost sounds like he might have been phoning it in a little bit, or like Kinda, his heart yeah. wasn't in it. Crazy. Yeah, but yeah. the the point where I fell in love with Steve Coogan and the setup for why this movie worked so well on me is the trip, as I mentioned before. So yes. that came out the same year as the other guys. It's a Michael Winterbottom show. Did you know this? I didn't know until I Googled it today. I I had known that before, but I had since forgotten. Yeah. I forgot that it was a show so it came, before in it was the a US, movie. they they condensed a British show down to a movie length and they released it as a movie called The Trip. It's it's also called The Trip over there. I'm not I'm, it's not a different title, but but the point is we get a very condensed version, but over there they got like what? 6 episodes of half half hour comedy, is that what it was? I think so. I think that I think that's roughly right. what it was, but either way, like it was broadcast in in an extended format, and I'm really upset that I don't have access to that. I'd like to go find I, it. I'd love to to see it. But the first time I watched the trip was during the pandemic, and I needed just like I just needed a wry British wit style kind of comedy at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like I've heard a lot of people tell me that that the trip is great. I'm just going to throw it on. I'm not totally sold on Steve Coogan yet, but like whatever. Let's give it a let's give it a roll. Mm-hmm. Michael Winterbottom directed it, also starring Rob Brydon. Um and it's just Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan eating dinner at multiple restaurants and talking about life, and it's kind of like heightened fictionalized versions of themselves. Um but it's such a fucking delightful funny like time of just it's like you just get to hang out with these two people while they just crack bits for for an hour and a half it's great i i I don't even know if there's anything to compare it to it's it's shot so naturalistically and again like drew mentioned these guys are playing them versions of themselves it almost seems like you're watching like a reality show but that cheapens it it's better it's much better than that um but it's I it's great, and that to your point, your opening question, you're like, uh, what type of movie comedies do you recommend, or are you more hesitant if you don't know the person well? That's one I would be hesitant on, and we both Absolutely. love the trip. But it's a you need to be a very specific. There's a lot. It requires patience. It's not about gags left, right, no, and center. You have to listen. Yeah, it's a movie it's about very, listening. It's not. There's no physical comedy. It is all two people, like sometimes they're in a car, sometimes they're like walking, but it's always just two or three people sitting around talking and that's where the comedy is coming from. Oh, you know what? If someone told, if I knew somebody liked No Reservations, the Anthony Bourdain show, I might be like, you know what? You might like the trip. Very different energies, but there's also a lot of kind of, there's a lot of food porny shots of like beautiful, well-made food in the, in the trip. The whole, uh premise of the trip is that like mentioned Steve and Rob are playing versions of themselves and they get offered to do this restaurant review tour so they do this like mini road trip through the UK I think primarily England like north and Eng- northern England I want to say in the first one yes in the first one but yeah. we'll get to the expansion yeah. and uh it's just literally them as like kind of 
somewhat close friends, not like best friends at all, but more like work colleagues that have developed a friendship. They've got a very adversarial friendship. For sure. And they also have different lifestyles. Uh, and, And so it's really just these two friends traveling together uh, and talking about life and being very funny uh, over plates of beautiful food. But what's so really it, interesting about it is that it's reflecting some of their own personal insecurities as as entertainers on their own. Yes. Right. It's like it's, it's also autobiographical in a way. It's like, again, it's like heightened versions of who they actually are. So like Steve Coogan is like, well, and, and hold on before I get to that, I'm, I just want to say. There are also three more of these. They made yes. the trip to Spain. They made the trip to Greece. And I'm blanking on the third. Italy, I think. The trip to Italy. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they've done all of those as well, which are, are, they're all great. But each one is kind of like reflecting where they're at in different points in their life. Mm-hmm. So, like, Steve Coogan is talking about how he wants to make it in Hollywood in the first one. And he's, like, talking about how he's trying to, like like, reach that status. And then at a certain point, he's, like gotten an oscar nomination for philomena and he's like talking about how great you know you know he's kind of like the ego of 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 steve coogan is coming through in this character and it's it's really fascinating that must be a great a very healthy way for an artist to confront their ego is like well let's let's deal let's take the emotions of fighting therapy Let's take the emotions I'm, I'm arguing with or, or I'm worried about, my concerns about being sucked into ego. All my insecurities. And let's make fun of them a little bit. I mean, yeah. we saw a ton of that in Barton Fink of like Coen sure. Brothers, you know, to be like, well, let's use this and make fun of it. And maybe we can slay the demon before it's hatched or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, so point being. Drew and I both are, are big fans of the trip. I texted you this today, Drew. I didn't know there was a fourth one until I, I saw that. It. And I'm always like, oh, this is like Christmas because I won't spoil anything, but the third trip, which I thought was the final one, ends with a very kind of strange ending that's not resolved. So I do not know what happened there, and I'm very excited to check out the trip to Greece in due time. Um, anyone out there who might be curious to check it out, you can Google one scene from the first one, which is it's dueling Michael Caine impressions. Um, Michael Caine. Where both Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon are just like face to face at this dinner table doing their Michael Caine impression to each other. It's a pretty famous scene for people who like the movie. Arguably the best scene in the movie. So if you want to take like a dip your toe in the pool, I'm sure you could Google, uh, you know, Steve Coogan, Michael Caine. It'll probably pop up. But if you if you find that funny, you'll like the whole movie. If you don't find that funny, you will not. So that's, that's, that's a, a good yeah, way that's to a test good, it. That's a good uh, guidepost there. Yeah. Uh, but point being, you know, so you had heard of Alan Partridge. I had not. I had never really seen much of this side of Steve Coogan. I mean, he's a little off the wall in, say, the other guys, things like that. In terms of but, his Hollywood output, yeah, he was mostly yeah. asked to just be Steve Coogan. Yeah, seeing him as as we dive in, if we're, if we're ready to talk about Alan Partridge no, specifically, yeah, let's get yeah. the fuck into this movie. Yeah, let's get into the movie. So, I didn't know he was this gifted comedically in so many different styles of comedy. And to me, just to kind of get on the table, the biggest thing that hit me about this movie is first of all, it worked without knowing anything about the character. Like I said, I didn't know. It still was very funny to me. Yeah, neither of us are experts on Alan Partridge. So if there are any British listeners right now, we apologize. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a richer experience if you know the character, but I think that's it's really says something positive about the movie that I didn't know shit about it and I loved it. Well, that was but, one of my concerns early on when I first turned on the movie was that I wasn't going to get this movie because I don't know the characters. I was like, what backstory yeah. am I missing out on right now? Yeah. And the thing that I really walked away from thinking about this movie is like, this movie checked like every single comedy box that I can think of and like. It has every flavor of ice cream, so to speak, thrown into the bowl. I kind of mentioned earlier when we were talking about how a lot of times like you see a movie that's like a slapstick comedy or you see a movie that's like a relationship comedy and they kind of stay within a certain type of lane. This movie has like everything. It has physical comedy bits. It has crass humor. It has really dense, really intelligent jokes, really intelligent dialogue. Like... The but construction even... of the jokes. It feels, it, again, you mentioned Arrested Development before. That's the perfect American analog for this. The The joke construction, it, it is so tight. Like, it, the, the, it's, it's like precise to the point where they're layering in jokes at a rate that you can't absorb everything. I watched this for the, like, I was starting to watch it for the third time today. I, haven't, I didn't finish it today, <laughs> but like, I was starting it again and I was like, I'm picking up on new things still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, the density is insane. It's like dark matter. It's, there's so, it's comedy dark matter. Like, it's so layered. And I love, yeah, it's arrested development, again, from an American perspective. Like, you, you catch new stuff. It's, it's so deep. And again, so many different genres it hits on. Slapstick is even in there. It's just so. So fucking funny. And I didn't know Coogan could could do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. The, especially the physical comedy was what got me. I was like... Same. I And look, he does some of that in Hamlet too, but it's been so long since I've seen that that like I completely forgot he's got that in him. Yes, yeah. And I had, I had never seen that side of him. And there was one joke specifically in the movie that I cannot remember laughing so hard in recent memory at, at a bit in a movie. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's been a very, very long time. You want me to tell you what the bit is? And again, we risk kind of, it'll be, after this, it's probably going to be a love well, I wanna, of bits we I've like. got, I'll, I'll I've got a list of my favorite bits. I mean, do we yeah. want to just make that its own section at the end? Yeah, I think we should. I just want to well, get this one yeah, yeah, specifically out do there. Do that one, yeah. Because this, it's the bit where he's climbing, he's trying to climb back into the window. So yeah. he's accidentally locked himself out of the radio station and his pants get snagged on the latch of the window and he falls out of the window. It's like a one on the first floor and his pants come off his legs and he's ass naked. That bit was so fucking funny to me. I, I, and I was watching it with my parents. They were in town visiting and we oh, nice. were all howling. And it was my first time watching the movie too. So we, none of us had seen this coming. The way it levels up. It, 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 the, it, it here, here's the thing. Okay. This is one thing I wanted to talk about. This is the perfect thing to start out with, with this movie, because I want to talk about my experience of watching this, because again, I was going in with this kind of skeptical view a little bit. So we, I watched this the first time and I, 
it started out and I was like, you know, going back to what you said earlier, you said like, I watched the first 10 minutes of this and I, and I was hooked and I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be good, but I want to save it. Yes. I was watching the first 10 to 20 minutes and I was like, oh, okay. I see what this is. Okay. This is going to be kind of a workplace comedy you know, very dry wit, like it's going to give me a lot of good chuckles, but like, I don't know if I'm going to be like laugh out loud. I was like, okay, this is going to be pleasant, but I don't know what the hell I'm going to say about this movie. (laughs) Then it ratchets up. And I will say, I, I, I was very scared at a certain point. You get to like the 20 minute mark and they do a mass shooter bit. And I was like, I don't know about this movie. I was like, this is going in a direction that I'm like, I don't know if you can salvage this. This is like using some really dark imagery that is very off-putting, specifically when, um, why am I blank? Pat. Specifically when Pat walks into the building in the background with the gun, and then you see the flashes go off in the windows. It's so visceral and shot so starkly that I was like, you guys are not towing this line properly. You're you're going way over the line. I feel like right now, <laughs> but it's it it gets to it, it like that was the only part where I, I I hesitated, and then it gets back into it and and I got to like the forty five minute mark and I'm like okay this movie's funny I, I'm with this, and then it kicks into into gear around the forty five minute mark. And the last half of this movie is so hysterically funny. I was like, blow, I was blown away. And to your point, that bit comes at like probably the hour mark. Yeah, yeah. And there's still right. a half hour. And to me, the last half hour is, is just as funny as that entire bit that you just described. So, like, for me, what going back to kind of like the ratcheting up of, of the comedy. Yeah. I so appreciate when a comedy knows not to front load the jokes because mm-hmm. there are a lot of comedies that you're like, you know what? I could watch the first 45 minutes of that thing and have a great time any day of the week. I don't need to watch the whole thing. You know, there's a bunch of that out there. Yeah. It's really rare when a movie paces itself and then the bits at the end are, it's like, that's the pinnacle of it. You know that mm-hmm. I, and, and this movie nails that I, I, this is one of the best comedies I've seen. I think this is the funniest comedy I have seen since what we do in the shadows in 2014. Whoa. And I, I saw think- that right after it came out. So like, that's, that's when I saw it. And I didn't see this movie till now, even though it came out before then. But I'm saying, like, for me, this is the funniest thing I've seen in the last nine years. Yeah. I think I think it'll be a similar timeline Bad for man. me. Like I gotta I, I gotta think on it, but it's definitely the funniest thing I've seen in a while. And and you're talking about I love I love this discussion we're having because you're talking about the ratcheting of, for lack of a better Instead term, of the, the comedy tension. tension. It's, the comedy. it's the comedy. It's ratcheting up. What I love about that window scene is the comedy tension ratchets up within that scene itself. Exactly. It, it does it within bits, and then it does it with the greater structure. Oh, my God. And that, I mean, that whole bit is probably 90 seconds or something like that. But it Oh, it's is longer than that, but it's, it's Longer great. than that? Yeah. It's, it just keeps adding more and more shit to it, and it gets funnier and funnier and funnier at the every flash stage. Bulbs that culminate that the sound of the camera it's is also it's all this just cherry on the top. And we were talking about Steve Coogan's physical gifts as a comedian that yeah. were not known certainly to myself, and sounds like to an extent not you as well. Um, 
I expected, and, and this was more in the front part of the film, you were mentioning is where it's kind of getting into gear. I expected a lot of the facial twitchy stuff in terms of that style of physical comedy, where it's like, you know, you're, you shoot a look in some way, or there's an awkward moment and you have a face. And he does that stuff very well, too. That I could have predicted. I did not see it all. So the gag is his pants get caught in the latch, and he's falling out of this window, bare-ass backside naked, as his, his pants are like... It, his legs are caught in his pants and his feet are pumping, trying to get out of the pants that are stuck in the window and his socks are exposed. That is one of the funniest bits of physical comedy I've seen in a really long time, but the bits not over. They just keep adding to it where a cop, the cop shows up and he has to tuck his, his, his dick in. So he doesn't have to, you know, and he puts his hands up and then the paparazzi's behind him. Yeah, taking a picture his of his nuts. Tucks his jennies behind him. And then the, the paparazzi comes in from behind in the most compromised position he could possibly be in. And the sound of the camera flaring off the light bulb, like you mentioned, I was, I haven't laughed that hard again at a piece of like film in so long. Can it I was one you? of okay. the best bits I've since ever seen. Since we're talking, since we're talking best, like number one bits, I do have to yeah. mention the one that made me cry. <laughs> Okay. Like Yeah, you know, I'm excited. And 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 he and he made me cry twice, legitimately. <laughs> um the character Michael is my favorite thing that I've seen in a movie in forever. Like Michael makes me laugh so hard. He, Michael is the security <laughs> that guard that is yeah. hiding in the like electrical closet. <laughs> the guy who shits in a box. <laughs> the shitting in the box bit had me in stitches. But when he shows up at the very end, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to cry right now just because it's so fucking funny. When he shows up at the bit at the end and he goes, hey, Pat, and he waves, <laughs> and then he jumps off the pier. <laughs> and oh my God, the punchline of the credit sequence being they searched for him for 45 minutes and they gave up and never went, no one ever saw him again. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! When he jumped, and Steve Coogan's like, "It's very well intentioned, but so misguided." Yeah, he's like, "I think that was supposed to be some sort of diversionary tactic." <laughs> oh, Michael, Michael will live in my brain forever. Oh my God, I, I was dead. I was I was fucking dead, Jared. Dude, I that towards the end of that that pier scene when he's got the air rifle <laughs> and he's he's taking aim and the fucking shot fires into the JFK poster and he goes fucking gypsies playing with the sights. It's just so I'm, I'm sorry, funny. Susan. Trust me. Yeah. But it's just like but this they movie. set up the air rifle bit earlier in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best part of that. Like that joke doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not absurd. Like they set up, he says in a speech earlier that he like got very good with in uh, like the, the carnival rifle. Yeah. And he, and you, <laughs> when you hear that the first time in the movie, you think that's the joke, right? They bury it so well because it's already a joke on its own, but then it leads into a plot point that becomes another joke. I couldn't believe it. When they when they 
pulled out the air rifle at the end, I was like, these fucking mad geniuses. I can't believe that they they pulled that off. I, like, I never would have seen that coming. Yeah. And and again, oh, I love it. This movie hit every every genre of comedy all packed into one. We haven't talked a ton about some of the dialogue, but like, do you remember when there's that woman in the office that he's kind of wooing and they have that romantic moment in the bathroom? And then the guy, the radio de- the guy is taking over the company, is talking to him about it. And he starts, and Alan Partridge starts going on that detour about how they talked about their mothers. And he, and he starts like almost tearing up about the honesty of the conversation that they have and how his relationship with his mother was not super fulfilling. It was more just like biological. And that was just the, the writing is just so fucking funny in this movie. Like they, the, 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 the jokes are so good and it's every incredible. type. It's just a parade of jokes. It's like incredible. He, um <laughs> I don't even I don't I don't know what more to say about no this, it's it's not like, gonna be like a uh, what do you think about this shot type of movie it's just a fucking funny movie I'm so glad you liked it and I'm so glad that I liked it too dude I was dead like I I was like I I I mean I I watched this two times straight through without taking notes because I was just like I just want to be in this thing but yeah. I, no like I I think going back to just the the you know, the darkness of this. I I think what's interesting to me about this movie is that, you know, they use that crazy dark imagery pretty early. I think it's fascinating that they're able to get away with that by not showing whether Pat killed anyone when he came in. They don't ever show a dead body and they don't ever address it. Like you could, like I, I could see someone like getting thrown off by that and just being like, whoa, like I, I can't, I can't stay with this character right now. Yeah. Um, like this is a mass murderer, but like we don't ever see a body. Oh, I don't think he ever killed anybody. I think well, it's pretty no, clear. I mean, like, I, I don't even think it's that clear. I think they just yeah. gloss over it. I think they, they yeah. very clearly like ignore the issue. And I think it's better for it yeah. is what I'm saying. I, I think yeah, like, that's true. It's, I think it's incredible say... that they tiptoe around that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They don't say one way or the other. And it does the movie, you know, it has a very ominous opening shot that I think they even address later in the movie uh, where it's like set to this weird song and it's like the shot of the ocean side of the town that it's set in. Uh, and, well, they're, uh, they're playing Koi Anaskazi, which is um, a Philip Glass uh, composition for the movie Koi Anaskazi. <laughs> Are you familiar with that? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. We but talked. It's like <laughs> we mentioned movies that uh, would probably do better with some sort of psychedelics uh, ingested, and that is one of them. That's one. Yeah. How do you feel about Cole Meany? He's the guy who plays Pat Farrell, the gunman. I thought he was uh, perfect I'd, in this. I really yeah. like Cole Meany. I do too. So I, the movie I associate him most. For me, is the movie Layer Cake. You ever seen that? You know, I haven't. That's a movie that I really have always meant to watch, but like I've kind of soured on Matthew Vaughn recently, so I've kind of gotten I, weird about it. I honestly think it's it could be a fun watch. It's I think pretty it's just good. Okay. It's 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 like a B minus C plus. That's kind of how I feel about movie. most of Matthew Vaughn's filmography. So that doesn't yeah. totally surprise me. Um, but it is it's cool in the way that it has Daniel Craig before he was super famous. 
um, you know, and Colmini is in it too. And he, he is great in it. Um, I think the movie is a little over ambitious in terms of kind of trying to snatchify and like try to get you guessing on where it's going, but there is definitely some really cool shit in it. I think well, overall so Matthew it's Vaughn, good. the filmmaker behind layer cake, um, was a collaborator of Guy Ritchie on, yeah. on those movies. So like he, he was, a producer, he was an offshoot of no, well he was, I, I want to say he was the writer of uh, oh, Lock, okay. Stock and uh, snatch. That makes sense. Yeah. But that's how, that's how I knew Colmini. What do what do you know him from? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar with Colmini. Um, you know, I, I've seen him in a few different things. The thing that comes to mind is uh, Get Him to the Greek. Uh, I think he's very oh, funny shit. as uh, R- Russell Brand's uh, absent father in that. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I That was the first time that I remember being like, oh, I, like, I register who this guy is. I know he was on a, a bunch of Star Trek back in the day. He was on The mm. Next Generation. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of like, where I remember, I'm look looking through his filmography, and I'm like, God, I I don't even remember where else I've seen him. But I just like, I I've I've definitely seen him in other things, and I find him to be an interesting actor. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I I think I think he's another one of those um, UK actors, Irish actors, I guess. Um, a lot of a lot of American audiences would probably recognize his face, but couldn't rattle off a ton of stuff. You know, I don't think he's really like broken through over here to, in a major way, still very successful, but you mentioned, uh, it's always sunny earlier. Not, not, not in this conversation, but, um, you brought it up and, and yeah, he's in a couple episodes of that. Yeah. He's in the most recent season. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Okay. He's really, he's, he's good in it too. Um, But can I tell you uh, where I remember him from now that I'm like putting it all together? What's that? He is great in the Damned United. Oh, is that that soccer movie you were telling me about? Yeah. It's a really good movie, man. And and, and, like, I've watched it a couple more times since I watched it the first time. And like that movie is growing in my mind. It's becoming one of my, it's becoming one of my favorite sports movies, but that also is coming hot on the heels of me getting really obsessed with soccer and English yeah. football specifically. So, cool. um, yeah. Anyway, uh, he's great in that he plays like the former manager of the club that, um, Michael Sheen's character character takes over. And, uh, yeah, he's great. in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's really funny in this movie. Like all this, all the bits with the gun holster to the guy's head and just like how, how kind of crazed he is, but still being cordial. He's, he's really funny, I think. And, and this, there's a lot of people doing great stuff in this, you know, just give like a couple of shout outs, I guess. Like one thing I'm like looking through the cast and way down is Monica Dolan, who plays Angela, kind of like the romantic interest. I think she's really funny in this movie. She's, I, she's not billed properly, in my opinion. But I particularly love how assholishly Coogan turns on her in the movie when he finds out she has kids. And she, the pizza guy brings the pizza box. They bring the pizzas in. She's like, I'll make you one of those. He's like, well, these are pretty good. Like, you know, it's just like so. <laughs> I think I'm good with this pizza. Yeah, such a dick. It's like, oh, Cinderella's up. But that was glass, though. And it's just like shooting oh her down God. so brutally. Speaking like, of like so- some of the side characters, the only character that I feel like I missed out on something by not having background with this character was Lynn. And like I, I, I really, yes, I like her a lot. Like, and I, I see some of the bits that she's doing, but I feel like some of it is like 
built into a char- into the character in a way that I wish I had more background on it. Dude, that is I didn't see it until you mentioned it. You're so right. Like she's so funny. Like I'm not so, trying to take anything so away funny. from her performance. But when she was first introduced, I was like, "Oh, is that his wife?" And then I yeah, realized I just didn't over know the time, backstory. I was like, "Oh, this is the secretary." And you're right. I think that would be a lot richer of an experience if we knew the details of that character and their relationships, as, as like most people who saw this movie probably right. did. Um, well, I do. I do also want to mention uh, Tim Key, who plays mm-hmm. the like his assistant. It's the sidekick uh, named Simon. Who's the guy who knocks out and gets duct taped to a chair with a shotgun to his head, which is so fucking funny the way that they build the shotgun contraption. Um, but Tim Key was a collaborator. He's a, he's a comedian that um, partnered with Coogan. Um, so there, there was a, a Alan Partridge series for like that they did like uh, shorts on YouTube called Mid Morning Radio or Mid Morning Shit. I'm blank. Mid morning matters. I think it was mid morning matters. So mid morning matters uh, was the first time Tim Key partnered up with Coogan, but they make such a funny pair, and his delivery on things and the the genuine terror and like horror that he brings through that character in scenes <laughs> where he's like, I'm thinking of like there's there's a point. So if anyone's listening that hasn't seen the movie the duct tape contraption on Tim Key's head that Cole Meany's character builds is such that the shotgun sits in a holster pointed at the guy's head. And it's it's sitting in a, in a hold so that Cole Meany can leave it there. He doesn't have to touch the gun, but when he needs to shoot him in the head, he's got it available to him. And there's a point where the gun is sitting in the holster, so like, you know, ready to shoot, and Colmini's character runs over and grabs the gun out of the holster. And the reaction from Tim Key is a genuine, like, I'm going to die reaction. And mm. it is so dramatic and real, but it makes it so much funnier that he's just like <laughs> reacting like, yep, I'm, I'm about to die. Like, this is it. <laughs> like, and it's so fucking great. Like the, the, like the grounding element of that in that, that, you know, completely absurd situation of a, you know, hostage taker and a hostage negotiator, ostensibly having a radio show in the middle of a hostage crisis (laughs) with a duct tape man producing the show from his duct tape chair is fucking insane. It's so So, funny. (laughs) So crazy. You're right. He has that just the fear in his eyes when he's got got the gun in the holster to his head. But also before like the hostage situation starts to take place in the movie, but also like before uh, the hostage situation really takes off, that stuff where like Coogan is constantly like kind of henpecking him with corrections while they're live on air. Never joke that about shit Muslims. was killing me. Just so yeah, never joke. Only Christians and sometimes the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> It's again, dude. It's I love what you said about how much you liked it. Now it's one of the best comedies you've seen personally in in several several years. It's 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 getting up there with me. I will say this though. So I watched it that one time with my parents, like I mentioned, and then a second time on rewatch yesterday, and I wasn't liking it quite as much as the first time. And for me, 
even though I agree when you mentioned the density of it and picking up on new stuff. That's the sound of the air being let out of the balloon. <laughs> but for me, I think it's literally just like, I like comedies to have a little bit more time between viewings. And this is, the only reason I watched it the second time was for the pod. Like, yeah, I, I guess have... I'm different in that like, Rewatching close to it for me makes me start to appreciate the joke structure and stuff in a mm. different way. So I start to get like a different enjoyment out of it. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, sorry I, to make a uh, fart noise joke for you. Yeah. If it was, uh, or, he does that like, little talking. You know what? Like, you know what I was thinking. I really fucking am sad that I this movie didn't come out like my freshman year of college because if this has this had come out that year we would have quoted that my entire oh my God. college career I might try to get going just only for me okay. uh, like no no one anyone who's not seen the movie will have no idea what I'm referring to but that was really really funny the movie is just so fucking funny and even that though I said soft the, rock cocaine enthusiast Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac, Mac. Which is the worst manga? Fish war. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put the kibosh on this. We're going to do best quotes at the end. Okay. Well, I think, I mean, like you said, there's only so much to say about it. We yeah, maybe both, we're even wrapping up. Who knows? We both fucking love this movie. Um, I really like Steve Coogan. This makes me love him even more. I really want to, just on my own time, explore Real more quick. of the Alan Partridge character. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, before fine. we move off and before we start to wrap up here, I do want to say like it going back to just like the, the tightrope that this movie walks. I do want to highlight like it's incredible that this movie keeps you on board with that character after the amount of awful shit that he does early yeah. in this movie. Because the, the character literally like completely bungles this whole fucking situation and like in a way that it's risking lives and like mm -hmm. the movie does not shy away from like giving you the stark reality at times for the first half of it so mm -hmm. like i just want to give this movie like a standing ovation for being able to thread that needle because that is yeah so impressive like the fact that like he sleeps through the ability to steal the gun and like control the situation <laughs> yeah. because he's so infatuated with himself like yeah. that is that should sink the movie yeah yeah he's like he's just dreaming about oh then i'll be the hero and uh, and yeah he's just not he just dreamt it another comedic piece that this movie has like you know i think of something like in say super bad where jonah hill goes into a liquor store sure and he fantasizes about the different possible outcomes from stealing the liquor or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like this movie even has a bit of that. There's a dream sequence in it. It's got everything. But it's yeah, got you're right. Multiple dream sequences. In <laughs> fact, you could even argue that the entire movie is a dream sequence. Really? Oh, I never I never saw. Maybe. Who knows? I'm just saying, like, you could you could say that the whole situation, especially the ending, is like one of Alan Partridge's fantasies. Yeah, I guess the ending for sure. Driving with the speedboat and the Range Rover, which he specifically outlined. Um, I'm but, not saying uh, that there's evidence to it. I'm just no, saying no, no. Like, I it's think, such I think, an absurd situation. It yeah, could be his. It could be. Um, but yeah, more to your point, it is to be commended that I think it's because there's there's something pathetic about the character underneath it all. Like we recognize how destructive. The Michael Scott. Kind of yes, thing. it's like his vanity is so destructive that we kind of pity this person a little yeah. bit, even though they're doing like 
really stupid things or they're treating people very poorly, um, but never irreversibly so or often not. Like he's he has kind of like redemptive moments in a way, but he's just he's also just hysterical. So <laughs> has that going for it too, which can forgive a lot, you know. Yeah. But um, but just so so fucking funny. I think the through line to this whole conversation is like comedy is is subjective. Mm -hmm. You and I were perfectly calibrated for this movie to just connect with us on a really fucking hilarious level. Yeah. Um, That doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. You might be sitting there listening to this conversation and being like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? None of these things are funny. And like, that's, well, that's kind of awesome. Like whatever, like, yeah, we're also not Steve Coogan delivering the lines. The guy has great rhythm, great timing. I know. Great I'm saying faces. I'm saying for people that had seen it, but yeah. Oh yes. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like people that saw it and didn't enjoy it. Because yeah. I think that's totally fair. Like, like this is not mm-hmm. gonna work for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I'm just super glad that this one kind of worked out for us. You know, like just Me being too, kind man. of I was I was so pleasantly like blown away by this. Yeah, and I I in the next few days, I'm going to be watching the trip to Greece, which will be my first time for that one. I look forward to over the years checking out more Coogan stuff. I already liked him a lot. This really cemented it. I really want to check out some of the Alan Partridge show stuff. I want to watch through all of Mid Morning Matters and yeah. uh, I'm Alan Partridge. Yeah. I, I think I would, you know, that sounds like great Sunday afternoon, you know, on a rainy day kind of material for me. Definitely. And um, you mentioned it too. I just scratched the surface on it. There is a YouTube rabbit hole waiting, any awaiting anyone who wants to check out Alan Partridge videos. Oh yeah, you sent we didn't me a few even links. touch on that, but I've I was watching those the last two days straight. Do the two the two links you sent me were hilarious? He, Drew sent me one that was like uh, him and Elton John doing a song together, and they have some playful banter on stage beforehand. Um, I, I didn't finish the interview one, but then I saw one with he, Alan Partridge, in character interviews Simon Pegg mm-hmm. that I like started watching, and I guess Noel Gallagher comes out at some point, so I'll be very... It's just a lot... Again, he's guy's been doing it since 92. This is an iconic British started character. started as a radio bit. Crazy. Crazy. And and just... Just a, a, a treasure trove awaits us if we ever want to dive into YouTube clips of Alan Partridge, because yeah. if this, again, is the indicator incredibly high level of quality great we comedy could, we could never even scratch the surface of of covering alan partridge in whole so you know yeah. we've kind of contained this conversation to the movie itself but rest assured we had a fucking amazing time with this movie and i think uh yeah we're both excited to check out yeah. more of his stuff For sure. um, can i close out real quick with one trivia bit that i found really interesting lay it on me dude so you 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 might remember the bit from the movie regarding the drummer being a part of like some famous yeah. like band from the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, here's the trivia bit, and this is again pulled from IMDb trivia. So take it with a grain of salt. But um, the film features a joke reference to an ex-drummer of the notoriously quote-unquote uncool eighties rock band Marillion. The band were made aware of this, and members were invited to the Leicester Square premiere of the film. 
The band's original drummer, Mick Pointer, was fired after the first album due to his limited technical abilities, and they had a total of five drummers in the space of a year between the first two albums. The film does not make clear which of these drummers was a char- which of these drummers the character was supposed to be. The band were quoted, "We knew Marillion was seen as uncool, but we were delighted to be a part of it." <laughs> I just thought that was interesting that there was that a whole a- backstory to the the joke about the drummer being in some band in the 80s like <laughs> yeah. it was it was just a throwaway joke in the movie but there's a mil, like a huge backstory to that whole thing and i think that's really fucking cool and that, that just kind cool. of like indicates the layers behind this movie yeah yeah that's a that's a beautiful way to put a bow on it absolutely all right, well, let's get to putting a new movie on the board. I believe it's my week, is it not? Yeah, so there, it was uh, last week we had our first bullseye ever. So that meant uh, that was going to be Drew's, but since it's a bullseye, we don't have a replacement number. So it's Drew's week. Not really again, but it was pushed to this week. Do you have a list of contenders? Do you got some of you kicking around? Do you just want to roll the dice and go for one? I, you know... I have been kicking around a few, and uh, I it's been a long night. I don't remember whether this was in the body of the Partridge episode or if this was just uh, part of the pre-chat, but there you got to a bit of spoiler uh, territory, and I felt like- I did? I felt, I felt the rug pulled out from under me. I was really excited after, so so we are recording this on May 10th of 2022 uh and a few weeks ago the movie everything everywhere all at once came out and jared went and saw that and in the pre-chat we were talking about his reactions to it who knows maybe that'll get a release later down the road on a patreon or some bonus episode or some shit but point being it's part of the it was part of the chat jared saw the movie loved it i loved it great movie and it prompted bringing up kung fu hustle which was locked and loaded Oh, it was, it was sitting in the chamber, ready to get fired at the board. Dude, I'm sorry to take the wind out of your sails a little bit. I, but, I, I, but I don't like the idea so, that you have this in your head, and I don't want to. I don't want to validate that. I want to give you something off the wall and something that you're not even. No, dude, coming. Kung Fu Hustle. Nope. That movie is nope. fucking great. No, nope. unbelievable. It's not happening. It's not Yanked. happening. Yoinked. Yanked. You did it. You did it. I, I can't my do it. My own fault for recognizing the but commonality between that. But you know what? I think you're going to be excited about my other choice. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's a movie that I have never seen and is a bit of a shamer. It's a movie that I feel like a lot of our generation has seen. Here's the movie. It's The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element? Oh! Yeah. It's a movie that I've never seen, but I knew it would make you happy too. So I didn't want to leave you high and dry with the Kung Fu Hustle. I was initially annoyed about the Kung Fu Hustle yoink. I'm now happier because I did not see this coming. I did not know you haven't seen it. I'm, I'm sure you've mentioned it in the past, but I had forgotten. And I really like this movie. I like it a lot. And i um, very excited that it's on the board. So what number is going to eight? Is that so That is going at number eight. And I am taking one of your slots with it. All right. The board Let's, works in mysterious ways. Before we go through the, the dart, let's do a little board recap real Love quick. It. Love it. Let's do it. So I want to I want to say that we currently are sitting at a score of 11 to 5 and a half if we're calling Sling Blade a half point. Um, so I'm, I'm making some progress. I feel like it was worse than that for a well, while. Well, Partridge got you one more and you were yep. at four. So yeah, yep. you are yeah, making yeah. 
technical yeah. progress. Should be six. Should be six. We're coming Slim off blade. of a, a bull and then three in a row for me before that. But, you know, you can take mm-hmm. your one. You have fun with that. <laughs> I will. I will have fun with that. Uh, I will have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> Way to regain your composure there. Yeah. Sorry. I had a heartburn belt. That hey just man, welled I'm, up I'm feeling and it hard right now. Threw I, me off my whole my whole game. I get it. Um all right. Well let's um let's recap the board here. What's that? I said I'm taking one down tonight. I could tell it's gonna be a Jared number for sure. Okay. All right. You're you're knocking one of yours down. Well, let's do a little board recap. <laughs> Love it. So at number one, we've got You Can Count On Me. At number two, Ex Machina. At number three, The Right Stuff. At number four, The Big Sleep. At number five, Operation Condor. At number six, The Sixth Sense. At number seven, Amadeus. At number eight, Newly Added, The Fifth Element. At number nine, Days of Heaven. At number 10, Big Daddy. At number 11, Vertigo. At number 12, The Straight Story. At number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Number 14, King of Comedy. Number 15, The Birdcage. Number 16, Putney Swope. Number 17, Mother. Number 18, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Number 19, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And at number 20, The Ballad of Cable Hogue. Sitting in the pole fucking position for you to hit. Is that the one? I hope I could get some hope. We just talked about earlier today. 20 is like right there. 20 is, they're all right there, but 20 is a, We've got always three been a sneaky good number slots for me. right at the top of the board that are have been sitting there since we started. I'll tell you this I'm not aiming. I'm not aiming for a number. I'm going to, I'm going to just, well, you're aiming for the bull. I'm going to aim for the bull. And we'll see what happens, but I'm not going to aim for 20. Maybe we'll hit it, maybe not. Who knows? But I'm ready to chuck the start. You down? Let's do it. Ah. The dart has spoken, Drew. And what does it have to say, Jared? The dart says 15. This is a very recent addition. Number 15 is The Birdcage. The Birdcage. I knew I was going to get a Jared number. You did get a Jared number. It is a very new addition. I'm excited to hit it, though, because this movie fucking rules. It's a Mike Nichols-directed film written by Elaine May. Oh, so they're Tying working together again. Earlier discussion. So Jared just recently watched The Heartbreak Kid, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest comedies ever made that no one has ever seen. And uh, yeah, Elaine May is an incredible filmmaker and she was the original collaborator of Mike Nichols from a comedy perspective. And um, yeah, Nichols and May are incredible. We'll get into it on the episode, I'm sure. But yeah, Mike Nichols directed Elaine May scripted starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Let's fucking go. Dude, I'm excited. Birdcage. I like what you said too. Couple, couple kind of lighter hearted comedies in a row. Let's keep it going. I'm telling you right up. now, uh, How many times that, is movie, that movie's got a lot of kennel uh, contenders on there. So we've, we've, we've recently established that we really like, uh, we like, we like the big dog, Jason Robards, but we need a kennel to back him up. Got to fill that kennel. And I, mean, I we'll, we'll talk about it next week. Like, are, are people coming into the kennel? It's Robin Williams coming in, Nathan Lane, other people. Who knows? That's really cool. And I'm relieved to see that according to our tallies this is only the second time that 15 has been hit That's so this correct. is not one of those like super repeat numbers even though it is a recent addition and kind of somewhat unexpected 
Um, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Everything I've seen so far from Mike Nichols I've liked, and I'm very curious to check this out. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to give us five stars or a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. It really helps people find the show. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. So we'll let Eric play us out. Friend of the show, Eric Williams. Nice, fresh new outro, dude. Later.